Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Take Off with John Clark. And we've got a very special guest, an all-time great Eagle, an Eagles Hall of Famer, former Pro Bowler. And he used to wear the Kelly green Seth Joyner. Good to see you. John, what's happening, my friend? Oh, I mean, the Eagles are 2-0, Seth. But in Philly, sometimes a 2-0 team <laughs> does not seem like a 2-0 team. Do you get the vibe they're a real 2-0 team or they still have a lot of work to do? Hey, listen, they beat the teams that they played. They forced the turnovers. You know, the team didn't teams that they played, the New England Patriots and the Minnesota Vikings didn't turn around and just hand them the ball. They actually forced those those turnovers. And, you know, the offense made plays where it need to, needed to. The defense is just, you know, very opportunistic, even with the young guys on the back end. Uh, you know, there are no gifts in the National Football League. It's only 17 of these every single year. And everyone you get somehow, some way, you earn it. So obviously, the big concern right now, you've already got the injury with N'Kobe Dean. Uh, Reed Blankenship hopefully will be back. But Avante Maddox is probably going to miss most of the season, if not all of the season. Who would you put in there at that slot corner spot? Gosh, you know, I was just talking about this this morning. I really don't know. Um, you've got all these young guys, um, Ricks. Goodrich, um, Ringo, you got all these young guys. And for the first time, I feel like the Eagles secondary from a youth standpoint is probably in the best shape that it's been in a long, long time. You know, we don't have to go out and get guys and bring guys in. You know, we've got some young guys that we can kind of raise up so that, you know, when Slay walks away and Bradbury walks away, we got some young guys that we can just, you know, put in there. Um, but to be honest with you, I really don't know. I mean, we haven't seen enough of, I haven't seen enough of these young guys that say, okay, that's the guy or that's the guy. You know, I know that Bradbury spent some time working in the slot um, in training camp. Um, I haven't heard about them working anybody else in that position, so it's likely that he could wind up there. But um, I'm not a big fan of you know a guy with his length being in that position. Um, a lot of times, you know, the long stride is the one thing they have a problem with is, you know, getting getting back up to speed, you know, once they get moves or double moves to change the directions. Um, so I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, what they come up with and, or or maybe they pl platoon the position, you know, between a couple of different guys, depending on what the personnel matchups look like. Yeah, and obviously if you had Bradbury playing in the slot sometimes, you maybe have Josh Job on the outside, mm -hmm. even though – doesn't have a ton of experience, but right. when you watch this Sean Desai defense so far, I know a lot of people had some problems with Jonathan Gannon, but when you look at Sean Desai's defense now, what do you like about it, and what do you want to see them work on and improve on? Well, I like the fact that, you know, he he's, he's much more aggressive. Now, he's not an all-out, zero-blitz kind of guy, 
you know, Gannon would do it from time to time. But the problem with doing something from time to time is if you don't do it on a regular basis, you never really get good at it. So you throw it in there and spot duty and you wind up getting burnt by it more than it being effective. But Sean Desai is not against on first, second or even third down bringing, you know, five or six guys. They play zone behind it, a little bit of man here and there, but they're much more aggressive. Um, so that's to my liking, as everybody knows. Um, I'm a firm believer in, in bringing pressure, not all out blitzing. There is a time for all out blitzing, but bringing pressure to speed up the clock of the quarterback, the speed of his thinking process, thereby speeding up everything that he does and speeding him up into mistakes and speeding him up into, um, you know, turnovers. Uh, but the thing I like to see them do better is be able to disguise um, what they're doing. Um, you can when you watch them, you can tell when they're coming. The linebackers tip it. They give it away. Um, the safeties, I think there was one blitz. And then week one where Reed Blankenship was lined up at such a depth that he couldn't even get there, especially playing against a guy like Mac Jones, who doesn't want to hold on to the ball. He's trying to hurry up and get it out of his hand. Um, but I, I like I like what I'm seeing. And, you know, from a defensive front standpoint, um, that he's really mixing it up. I mean, you see tackles playing ends and ends playing tackles. And you know, there's a couple of times I looked down, I saw Josh Sweat line up at a three technique, and it's like, what's going on here? But obviously, you know, he knows what he's doing, and he's moving guys around. They present matchup issues and matchup problems. And you know, the strong point of the defense has been, you know, the interior, the, the interior four between Jalen Carter. Um, um, Jordan Davis, Fletcher Cox, and Milton Williams, all four of those guys have been playing some outstanding football. Yeah, and it kind of takes me back to your era when you were rocking those Kelly Greens and you had that defense. You know, maybe I didn't notice it, but is it a lot more rotational now? I mean, how many times would you have two lines on a team back in your day? Is this kind of something that evolved over time, rotating these guys? I think you have to, you know, the way that they practice them now, they're just not in shape to play a whole game. Um, and I think that, you know, sports science probably has something to say about how many plays and how much guys play per game. You know, back in my day, you know, you were the starter and you were the starter for a reason. That's because the guy that was back behind you, he wasn't as good as you were. So you were losing something in translation when my backup had to come in and play with me because I was a starter. Well, now, you know, they groom these guys to play. You've got starters, but that doesn't really mean anything because the starters really aren't going to play any more than 50, 55% of the plays at the maximum. And you, you rotate guys in to keep everybody fresh. So your second team and sometimes even your third team guys, they get a significant playing time. Um, but if you're going to practice the way that they practice, our practices, you know, never, never any real contact. Um, you know, only 12 padded practices throughout, you know, the, the 17 games schedule. If that's the way that you're going to practice, then you have to have rotational players at certain positions. Um, and the defensive tackle, I mean, you got 300 pounds laying on you, two, three, four consecutive plays in a game and a, uh, during a double team, you're going to get winded. All right. So, Seth, if I were to say those guys you played with, on that defensive line that you had back in the day, mm -hmm. any of those guys compare to maybe Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis? Can you say like 
these young guys that we're seeing with the Eagles, do they compare to anybody that you played with? Oh, Jalen Carter, for sure. I mean, he's, he, he has the abilities um, of Jerome Brown when I watch him play. In a lot of ways, it look, he looks just like him. You know, if you look at most defensive tackles of today, you know, they're either run stoppers or they're pass rushers. You know, if they're pass rushers, they're third down, you know, second and long type, type you know, sub package guys. Um, if they're run stoppers, they're first and second down guys, and then they come out of the game. You know, the thing about Jerome, he could play all downs. I mean, he could he could destroy you in the run game. He could destroy you rushing the passer against, you know, a center or a guard or a combination of the two. And when you watch Jalen Carter play, um, you know, he's of that same ilk. You know, he can he can dominate the run game because he's very good with his hands and his feet. And he's just awesome in the pass rush because as a, for a young player, he has counter moves. Most players, you know, they're either speed or they're power. He can go speed to power. He can, you know, I've seen him do the Reggie White hump move in, in week one on a guy. Um, he's got all the tools. And right now, you listen to him talk, he says, the coaches are telling me, you know, to play more physical, to be more physical. But when I played at Georgia, I was more of a finesse player. Well, listen, once he learns how to combine the, the physical aspect of it with the finesse and understand when and where to apply each one, he's going to be unstoppable. He's going to be unblockable because he's already there right now. And once he, the more he learns and the better he gets and the stronger he gets, and he's going to get better. There's no doubt about it. The more his confidence continues to soar, he will get to a place where he will, he will look at the game and look at his opponent like, you can't block me. You know you can't block me. And I know that you can't block me. So you better bring the double team. And if you don't bring the double team, it's total destruction. And he's already got 11 pressures. He's got the sack. He's got a bunch of hurries. I mean, are we looking at the defensive rookie of the year? I think if he can post some sack numbers, you know, it, it may it may take him, you know, nine, ten sacks um, to actually to win the award. But I think if he if he gets the nine or ten sacks, um, he should definitely. I mean, he's already he's my pick. I don't, the only thing I can see. Well, the only reason I can come up with why he wouldn't win it if he posted those types of numbers is, you know, the perception of players in the NFL and how the NFL sees players that represents, you know, the highest level of what they represent. Um, it, it's crazy because a guy can be the best player, but he doesn't. He he might have a reputation, you know. And what he went through off the field might not be the reputation that the NFL wants to push to the forefront. But if he's deserving, he's deserving. It is what it is. Allow the kid through this to, you know, reestablish, you know, his reputation as a not only as a player, but as a person. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.
Yeah, and a lot of people, Seth, were wondering why Fletcher Cox is back again this year. People say, well, okay, they're getting up there in age, but it seems to me he has been a great leader for not only Jalen and Jordan Davis. I heard that Fletcher was on the phone with these guys every day. He was talking about their weight, making sure they learn how to be a pro. I mean, how important has Fletcher Cox been? And I'm surprised he's actually leading the tackles in snaps. Well, listen, it's it's not that he can't play, you know, it's just that his salary cap number was getting to a place that didn't match the production, if you will. That's just my my opinion. Um, you always need that veteran guy at almost every position. Um, it was important for me when I played, I had that guy. Um, you know, you got to have Who that, was that guy. guy. Well, it was Gary Cobb, actually. You know, that those G Cobb was pulled all the young guys and said, hey, you know, all you guys are going to make the team, but there's going to be a couple of special team spots. That's how you guys are going to make the roster. We didn't know. We thought all of us, all, all of us were going to make the team. You know, he was like, you're crazy. Only six or seven. They're only going to carry six, seven linebackers, you know, and that seventh guy or that sixth and seventh guy, you better be a good special teams player. Um, if you want to be a pro, this is what you do. This is how you handle your business. You want to be a pro and have longevity. These places you stay away from, this is what you do, this is what you don't do. So it's it's important. But as the money has grown and time has gone on, um, organizations, you know, some organizations have, have failed to see the importance of having those older guys in the locker room. You know, for, from a money standpoint, it's just not feasible. When they get to a certain age and a certain amount of money and they're not willing to take a pay cut to stay on board, you know, then you have to move on. But it's important for those guys to have someone to teach them um, how to be a pro in every facet of the game, how to study the game, all the little small nuances of the game. Um, and it benefits Fletcher as well because now he doesn't have to play 50, 60% of the plays, you know. I mean, he really flashed in week one in the second half of that game. Usually by the second half, he's gassed, you know, but because he doesn't have to play as much as he normally would have, um, and the fact that Jalen Carter's playing so great, I think it inspires and it pushes everybody. Everybody, I mean, think about think about Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis was, was, was drafted 13th overall last year. This year, they draft Jalen Carter ninth overall. Milton Williams was drafted in the third round. You got Fletcher Cox, who, you know, is a perennial all-pro, six-time all-pro. But everybody's talking about Jalen Carter, okay? Now, deep down inside, it's not a pride thing. It's a, well, what about me? So that pushes Jordan Davis. That pushes Milton Williams. That pushes Fletcher Cox, you know, because there's an inner competition that goes on at that position. And I say it again, it's not a... It's not a non-healthy thing. It is a very, very healthy thing to have competition at, at every single position um, because guys aren't trying to outdo somebody else. They're just trying to get their name out there. They're just trying to make a name for themselves, and there's nothing wrong with that because that competition, and a guy like Nick Sirianni talks about it all the time, compete, 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 compete. Well, they got some hell of a competition at the defensive tackle position, and they're getting some hell of a production out of it, in my opinion, because of that competition. Yeah, I like that point. You're seeing a Jordan Davis this year. He's in much better shape, playing really well. To me, when I watch these games now, it's almost like teams are like, well, we can't run against these D tackles, and then they're throwing the ball. So, of course, both games, you know, the quarterbacks are throwing for over 300 yards. But when you're able to stop the run like the Eagles are with Jordan Davis in there, how much does that open up the defense then to try to get after the quarterback? 
Well, it works to their benefit anyway. You know, we always were told, you know, hey, if you want to rush the passer, you want to get into the blitz game, then you got you got to earn the right to do that. You earn the right to do that by stopping the run, by making the team one-dimensional, thereby allowing them only to pass the, pass the ball. But, you know, and the Eagles needed to get that accomplished. They needed to change that because last year, believe it or not, as good as they were against the pass, they were ranked 17th or 18th, I think, against the run. They gave up 121 yards per game, um, well over five yards per carry last year as a defense. But that's and, like after Jordan Davis got hurt, right? Because like, he was he yes, was really shutting down the run early. Yes, yes. But, but still, the, the issue is they could not run in the four-man front. So Jordan played more than he probably would have would have or needed to because they had to live in a five-man front so much to get the run under control. Um, but and, – and you go back to the Super Bowl, that's the thing in the second half that really killed them defensively. The Kansas City Chiefs came out and made a concerted effort to run the football. And once they got the run game established, it opened up everything in the playbook, and that's when Patrick Mahomes really started to get going. I mean, he scored four straight possessions in the second half. The first half, they just completely shut them down. They couldn't get anything going. So if I were to ask you concerns for the Eagles, obviously a lot of people are wondering why the Eagles' passing game is not as good right now in these first two games. Is that a timing thing with really not having that preseason action? What do you think it is with the passing game right now? I think that's part of it. I think the other part is, you know, you've got a new offensive coordinator and a new uh, somewhat a, a new system. I mean, it's pretty much the same, but I'm sure there's some new wrinkles that Brian Johnson wants to bring to the table. Um, so when you combine not playing football for seven months and then all of a sudden getting thrown into the intensity of week one, um, compound that by playing, you know, arguably one of the best defense coordinators or head coaches in the league and in, in the history of the National Football League and Bill Belichick. Then you come around and you you play against his protege the next week. Then they got another one coming up as far as Todd Bowles, another great defensive mind this week. So they're playing against these great minds who spent time in the offseason trying to figure out, okay, how do we how do we get this high power second rank overall offense from last year under control? And they made a concerted effort to make sure that they get enough guys around the line of scrimmage to keep Jalen Hurts from running. But in doing so, they got so many guys around the line of scrimmage, they're able to morph a lot of their coverages that they run. So, like, for instance, in week one, Bill Belichick ran a five-man front, sometime a four-man front, and they had, like, a muddle behind the offensive line. Five guys, sometimes six, in a straight line, or just kind of wandering around with no definitive idea about what they're doing on the snap of the ball. This guy took off for, for a half. This guy came down and blitzed. That guy, you know, took the tight end man to man. So it's hard for Jalen to kind of figure out what kind of coverage there, you know. So it's going to take time. I always say, you know, the first four games of the season is you're gathering data is what you're doing. Because once I got four game films on you, I can tell you who you are and what you are. If I got four games to break down, I know what your offensive and your defensive philosophy is because you can't lie after four games on film. Well, the fact is, you know, you got only two games in. So we don't know what the heck, you know, Todd Bowles is going to do come Monday night. We don't know. We didn't know what Brian Flores was going to do. We knew it might look similar to what Brian Belichick would do, but he's got his own philosophy. So 
it's a combination of things. It really is. And, um, you know, the remedy, the adjustment to the adjustment was in the second half, you run the football. Because if you can run the football, that means you can control the line of scrimmage and time possession. If you can do those things, then you're going to be in a position for your playbook to open up down the road. The 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 63 yarder to Devontae Smith was a matter of them outsmarting themselves because that safety that was on that side, bad eyes got caught looking looking in the backfield. The corner thinks he's got inside help, so he takes. Devontae takes off, and at first he's just jogging. And once he sees the safety ain't going nowhere, he just takes off and runs away from the guy wide on. So you got to take what the defense is giving you. That's the short passing game for Jalen. And then run the football. Establish the line of scrimmage. I don't know if you saw Lane Johnson, but when they were just running the ball down Minnesota's throat, he's – you know, doing his finger like that. And he's looking at the sideline, like, just keep running it, keep running it, keep running it, you know? So, I mean, and those guys, they enjoy doing it. They enjoy dominating that way. So, and because it's a lot easier for them to pass pro when they're running the ball like that, because you can't just pin your ears back and come. They, they get it, you know, but that's not the sexy thing. The sexy thing is, and, and, the, and the analytical thing is, come out, you throw the ball early, you get a lead, then you run the ball late to run the clock out. That's what balances up the time and possession. Not the time of possession, but the run-pass ratio. Well, that all sounds good until it doesn't work. And then when it doesn't work, then what do you do? But for the Eagles, this is going to be their remedy. Their remedy is to run the football with their running back and their number one ranked offensive line in the National Football League. And that will open things up, not only for Jalen, but for everybody else. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You're exactly right. But once again, I mean, coaches don't get hired based on running the ball. Sirianni got hired for his prowess in the passing game and all that. But I think you raise a great point about the crash course, basically, for Brian Johnson coming into this year with two of the very good defensive minds coming from that disguise school. So now you have this matchup, Jalen Hurts in the offense against Todd Bowles. And we saw what Todd Bowles and his defense did to Jalen Hurts in that first playoff game for Jalen Hurts. You even had some guys in the Bucs say, Jalen can't read us. He can't read the defense. So how fascinating of a matchup is this going to be kind of a rematch for Jalen here? Well, let me say this first. You know, coaches don't get hired for running the ball, but they get hired, they get fired for losing. Okay. Yeah. So if you don't adjust, I mean, you might get hired to, to throw the football, but if you're not having success throwing it, doesn't matter if you because if you're losing games whether you're running or throwing it you're you're not that far away from you know being out of a job so you got as a head coach or offense coordinator you got to kind of figure out what works for you he'll always be able to get back to the passing game because they can run the ball but ultimately everybody in today's NFL they want to throw the ball I get that and I understand that but why not get that other little piece that feeds and helps you to be able to do that? Um, as far as Jalen and his ability to read, well, listen, he's got two games versus Todd Bowles, you know, the regular season game and the playoff game to go back and take a look at and get an idea of how he's going to be played. I'm not one that actually believes that he can't read. Um, I think that, you know, the way that they ran their offense that year it was just a situation where, he was a young player, first year as a starter. Um, you know, the RPO piece of 
you know, their offense was the mainstay of their offense, you know, and when you're running the RPO, it really is a one read system. It's not like, you know, you got time to ride, pull it and go, then go through a progression. It's ride, pull it. You hit the slam, ride, pull it, throw the out route. You know, that's all you have as far as that's concerned. So to those players, it may look like he can't read, but I don't buy it. You don't have the kind of year he had last year and not be able to read, read, read defenses. Um, he's just got to slow it all down and be able to get a pre-snap read against a defense that's, that when it's definitively giving you what they're in and understand that he's got routes built in into his offense to, to defeat all of these coverages. He's got a cover three beater, a cover two beater, a cover four, a cover six beater, a man beater, and make the correct checks and get his team in the right place to beat those. Um, I think the frustration has gotten to him a little bit because he wants to run the ball. He can't run it. I think that feeds into his ability to throw the ball. And on top of it, he got so many guys down by the line of scrimmage. You know, they are either crowding the line of scrimmage against the run when he's trying to run it, which is a delayed run. And they've got guys down by the line of scrimmage and they're covering up wide receivers, you know, on short routes. So all the short stuff, guys are on it right now because it's so close to the line of scrimmage and they're able to jam wide receivers and run with them. Um, so I, I saw a little bit of frustration the last two games uh, where, you know, he started off taking what the defense was giving him and then he took a couple of shots. The interception that he threw, in my opinion, that's frustration because if he can wait a second longer and see that that, that, that safety is committed to coming over, that you got an inside throw to A.J. Brown over the top, you know, where either he catches it or it's incomplete. But then again, when your clock is sped up because, you know, you're being pressured, everything speeds up and you make the wrong decisions. When you're frustrated, you speed up and you make the wrong decisions. They just got to get him to a place where he's comfortable, where he's going through his progressions and he's a little more even keeled. I don't think I've ever seen him play as unevenly keeled you know, as he did the last two games, especially the last two games, because they're blitzing him more. And they're not, they're not, they're not going to allow him, if the Eagles are going to put five guys out into the route, they're not going to allow him to sit back there and blitz and, and, and rush four on five and allow him to pick them apart. They made a decision that we're going to speed up his clock and bring pressure right now to make him make a quick decision. We're going to give him one read. If that read ain't there, we know he's going to take off and we got him contained or he's going to have to throw it away. I love talking football with you. And we can always see more of this on the Seth Joyner show on NBC Sports Philadelphia Thursday nights. I got a couple more questions for you because, you know, watching the Cowboys defense the first two weeks. Now, look, they played the Giants. They played the Jets, the New York teams. They don't have the best offensive lines. But right now, if I were to ask you, defense, who's got the best defense, Eagles or Cowboys, who are you going with? It's too early to tell. You know, listen, they're going to – they're a good defense. I'm not trying to take anything away from them, you know. But I think the Eagles are a good defense when they're at full strength. You know, you, you lost your starting linebacker. Then you lost your slot corner. Then you missed, you know, your your left corner got hurt and did, you didn't have him last week. I mean, how many injuries have Dallas had on their defensive, you know, on their defensive football team? And then you're playing against, you know – the New York cream puffs A and the New York cream puffs B. And then they got another cream puff, you know, out in Arizona this week. So then we're going to talk about, oh, how great the Dallas defense is. 
when the Eagles were winning last week, what did the national pundits say? Oh, they ain't playing anybody. They got the easiest schedule in the league. Well, who the hell is Dallas playing? They haven't played anybody. You know, come talk to me when they come talk to me when they got to line up against the 49ers. They got to play the same, you know, same schedule we got to play. You know, so come talk to me when they play some of those upper echelon teams. But you can't tell me that the New York Giants and the New York Jets are better football teams than the New England Patriots and the um gosh, who they just play and the Minnesota Vikings. I'm not buying that. You know, neither one of those teams have the players that they have. So while you want to talk about how great they are, that's okay. It's early. It's early. And and they're a dominant team. Michael Parsons is a straight up beast. Sure he is. Okay. But let's see when he gets when they get to the meat of things. And when they get to the end of the season, as they always do, they're like slept rock. There's just a storm waiting to happen. You just know that the that the lightning is going to strike and the rain is going to come down. That cloud is going to hover over that organization. And at the end of the year, all that hope for these Cowboys fans will be dashed like they always are. Oh, I fact. love it. I love it. Just got to bring up the Cowboys to get you fired up. I love it. <laughs> you want to get my blood boiling and start talking about them. I love it. And you know what's amazing is after these two games, Micah Parsons is saying this is a Super Bowl team. Demarcus Lawrence is saying this is the best defense on the planet. Are they falling into that same old Cowboys hype that they always come out and promote themselves like this? You know what happens then? Good teams, good teams just let their play do the talk. Like when the Eagles was when the Eagles were tanned up last year defensively, 70 sacks, they broke the our record. Okay. I think that they wound up with damn near 80 sacks last year throughout the playoffs in the regular season. Can you tell me one time where you heard Javon Hargrave who had, you know, career highs in sacks or BG who had career highs in sacks, Fletcher, you know, I don't know how the hell he got the 80 sacks, but he got there. And then, you know, all the great years that Hassan Reddick was having, I mean, he tops it last year. When did you hear those guys talking about how great you were? You never heard them talk about. So you don't have to tell people how great you are. In the NFL, you just show them how great you are. That's a that's the security thing when people start talking about themselves in that manner. And karma is a you-know-what, and it's just a matter of time. Just keep chirping. Just keep chirping, you know. It's, it's one thing, you know, to rise, but, you know, the thing about rising, you always got to come down. And some some come downs are much harder than others, you know. So let them just keep chirping, keep talking. Karma is a you know what. Love this. I think you want to play against the Cowboys this year. Hey, listen, that's the one game twice a year I'd suit up for at fifty eight years old. <laughs> it, would, it, it would take it would take no convincing, John. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. We got to have like old timers day at the baseball game. No, you know? we don't. Let you guys no, get back nobody, out there nobody and hit somebody. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody <laughs> wants to see an old time and play one play and left off the field. Stop it. Man. That's true. That's true. <laughs> As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu 
slash podcast. Hey, by the way, I mean, by the way, you just got me fired up. I just had to bring up Cowboys. And, and when you saw that the Eagles are bringing back the Kelly Greens for two games this year, talk about the pride that you must have had when you're going to see those jerseys again on the field. Yeah, it'll be pretty awesome. It will, it will be pretty darn awesome to see him again. Um, I still think those are the best color jerseys, you know, the Eagles ever had. But, you know, Jeffrey brought the team and wanted to put his own little spin on it. So I get it. But there's nothing like those Kelly Greens. They're absolutely, absolutely awesome. And, um, you know, I'm proud of the fact that, you know, I'm bringing them back this year that they chose five guys, you know, to re-release their jerseys, their throwbacks. And I was one of those guys. So I'm extremely happy you know, not only to see the Eagles back in them, but some of the fans back in them and see, you know, some of the fans with the old, you know, 59 on. I love it. And and if this was college, man, you'd be getting some of that NIL money. <laughs> Don't even go there, man. You talk now, about now you're able to make some money off those jerseys being sold. It would would be nice. Would yeah. be nice. I mean, who, who could have who could ever thunk or foresaw that coming? I know. Um, but that's pretty good. It's pretty a lot of people don't like it. Um, I'm not so sure that they got all the dynamics down the way that they need to have them down to protect the kids and do what's right as far as that money is concerned. But, you know, they got it right. I mean, you, if you're going to make money off of these kids, at least give them a stipend. That's where the NCAA is screwed up. Yeah. You know, take a little bit of that money. You can't have a kid, can't ask a kid to go to school for four years and ask him not to have any money in his pocket whatsoever. I know what that's like because I've been there. My mom could only afford to send me like 50 bucks once or twice a year. And I made it stretch, but I know what it is to go to bed, you know, with a full belly of water because you got, you know, breakfast at seven, lunch at 12, breakfast at set. I mean, dinner at seven and you didn't eat again at seven o'clock in the morning. Well, you're up studying, you know, 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night. Hey, you're hungry. So, you know, I know what it is to go to the water fountain and fill your belly up with water and go to sleep and, you know, hope that the morning hurry up and gets here. So stuff like this is needed. You know, you need kids need clothes. They need money. I mean, how are you going to take a girl out on a date if you ain't got no cash? You know, you can't even <laughs> ask her out. They should at least so, sponsor I mean, that, right? You know, the school yeah. should sponsor the dates, right? Pay for the dinners. Hey, listen, you know, these kids have to have a social life, man. You know, and if I'm trying to pick up the hot chick, I can't talk to her when the guy, the kid who comes from the fluid family with the BMW and the, and the bank account, how do I compete against that? I got to have a little something to be able to compete. And I'm not saying that the, that the school should fund that, but, you know, in the infamous words of Wu-Tang, cash moves everything around us, you know? So the, those kids need some dollar dollar bills just like everybody else. Exactly right, especially when they're packing the stands and the schools are making the money off that. There you go. Exactly. There By the go. way, with the uh, Kelly Greens being back, I'm just thinking now, I hope to see some of you guys there for that night when they bring back the Kelly greens, I think that that would be a nice touch. You don't have to tell me if they've organized that already, but I think that that would be pretty cool to have you guys back there in your Kelly Greens, so that these guys today could see the guys in person who wore them back then. It would be, I mean, it's just, it's just so sad that so many of the guys that I played with, I mean, five guys off of my defense have gone, you know? So it would be, it'd be somewhat, It'd be an emotional thing for us, you know, um, but to have the guys come back, you know, from that era. And that's what you're honoring is that that era of football. Um, it would be great. It'd be awesome.
Yeah, yeah you kind of, you kind of. But you of, don't mean, John. I'm working, man. I got 20 jobs. I'm working on game. I know you're unbelievable. You got the <laughs> Seth Joiner show here on NBC Sports Philadelphia. You got every kind of commercial in the book. You're in your suit. You're out in the field. You're doing whatever. So we're happy for you. By the way, I, I know you're a huge golfer, and I've always, I've always wanted to ask you if you could have a foursome and you get to choose the other three people in your foursome. Doesn't matter what walk of life. Who would be Seth Joyner's foursome? Wow. See, so so nobody's ever asked me about that. They've asked me, you know, if you could have dinner with with two or three other people, influential people, who would they be? Um, wow. What's that? They can play um, golf. To play golf, I mean, yeah. I would play with some of the greatest to ever play. I play <laughs> um, Tiger Woods. Um, I've met both of them, never played with um, Jack. So Tiger, Jack, and um, I tell you, we got one of them in the area. Gary Player lives in Phil in the Philly area now. Really? So, yeah, yeah. His daughter lives here apparently. Hmm. So he's been on a lot of golf courses. There's been a lot of Gary Player sightings. I don't know. I don't. I'm not so sure that you know. It would be interesting to watch, and 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 a lot would have to do with you know do I get Jack in his prime and Tiger in his prime, or do I get you know young young Tiger and old Jack? You know, yeah, yeah. It, it all depends on how I can have. Well, I want them both in their prime because I want to see him compete. You know that now that would be awesome. How about that Jack? Yeah, good. and how about Jack getting to use Tiger's great equipment, the clubs? Now, I mean, there's a huge yeah. difference in the clubs. Yeah, it is. It yeah. is. No, that 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 would that would be awesome. You know, do I get to pick the venue? Absolutely. It's your foursome. Augusta, baby. <laughs> Augusta. <laughs> nice. We're going to uh, young Tiger and Young Jack on the first tee at Augusta. Oh, and now me. you're talking. Now you're oh, talking. Yeah. Netflix oh. would take that. <laughs> hey, I don't give I don't care if they do or not. I take it. I take That's it. Awesome. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Would you throw Michael Jordan in there? I played with MJ before. MJ yeah. likes to talk a lot of he likes to talk a lot of crap. He's like the know? Cowboys. Yeah. <laughs> and he likes to talk and he likes to bet. You know, which is okay. You know, it's, it's your thing. You know, the one thing he is, he's a hell of a putter. You know, if there's a it's it's like his putting is like shooting. You know, if there's a shot that has to be made with 10 seconds left on the clock on the 18th hole, I don't care if it's a 30 or 40 footer. Trust me, he's going to make it. He's going to make it. I've seen it too many times. <laughs> you know, now he might slop it all over the place and hit it all over the place. But if you got a bet on the 18th hole and he's got a putt that he's got to make the win, you might as well put it in. You might as well get your, you might as well get your wallet out. <laughs> it's a that sounds, sounds like you have. <laughs> Man, I Listen, I, I know my limitations, you know. And with him, his his deal is on the golf course is, you know, what's your tolerance level? You know, everybody else has got a tolerance level. You know, Michael Michael Jordan's a billionaire, man. So, you know, it, it, he can bet a heck of a lot more than I could ever, you know, dream about losing. Even if I had it, I wouldn't dream about losing, you know. So that's his edge, to try to make you as uncomfortable as he can make you by making you uncomfortable about the bet that he puts on the table. Um, but I'm smart enough to know, you know, I know my limitations. I know what I can stand to lose and what I can't. You know, Mark. so that kind of pressure never gets to me because I never overextend myself. 
this morning, and he's got his home course now. So he, you know, it's a home game for him always. Apparently, no road games anymore. No, and I, and he's built the golf course to fit, you know, his his game. The fairways pinch in at two eighty. Smart <laughs> it's man. Just, it's just it's unbelievable, unbelievable man. That's why but, he's a billionaire. You know, hey, when you build your own, you build your own golf course. You can build it the way you want to build it. Suit your needs and f- suit your desires, and then you invite all your friends down and take their money. That's exactly right. It's a racket. <laughs> hey. hey, by the way, by the way, I'm telling you, uh, we got our promo now for Eagles Cowboys because you were fired up. I love it. Can't wait for that game coming up. Hey, man, that's our biggest game. There's no doubt about it. And our biggest, our biggest two foes, um, the teams that we're going to we're gonna have to get through one of these two teams, maybe both of them, you know, the, the Cowboys and the 49ers. Um, all three of us are, you know, two and oh at this point. Um, you know, everybody wants not only the division, but they want the number one seed. You have to come through, you know, their house. Um, you know, there's a whole lot at stake and a whole lot on the line. And um, I don't think that there's going to be many other teams in the, in the NFC that's going to be competitive as competitive as these three teams. So as an Eagle, as an Eagle fan, as an Eagle, you know, media member, I'm looking at those two teams, um, looking at what they're doing. Um, you know, Seattle made it extremely difficult on the 49ers this past week. Um, Dallas had another cream puff. Um, and, you know, Zach Wilson was a turnover machine, you know, in the, in the fourth quarter. So even if they had a chance, um, so we'll see, you know, we'll see. I mean, th- those are our big games. You know, we got the Cowboys twice and we got the 49ers, you know, coming in here, you know, all of their, you know, belly aching and moaning from last year. Oh, we had a quarterback. I'm like, it didn't matter. Your defense, your number one ranked defense gave up 37 points. You know, oh, and by the way, you know, your quarterback, just he didn't fall on his elbow. We broke his damn elbow. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to have you back when we have Eagles, Cowboys, and Eagles, Niners, man. You're the best. Hey, man, anytime, anytime. I'll live promo anytime you guys want. There's, <laughs> there, there's enough vitriol in my body for, for even more so for the Cowboys. But there's a little bit there, even for the 49ers, because my thing is they still not over it. You know, if you ask them the question, they will go down that road. Debo yeah. Samuels will give you all the bulletin board material that you could ever want because they're just not over. They can't move on. You know, there's a number of them that can't move on. And that's not healthy. That's not healthy for them. So I can't wait till 49ers week for, you know, someone, for Howard Eskin to be on the the, the national call and ask, you know, Debo Samuels. They're, they're, they're and they, they're going to try to, you know, hey, Debo, if they ask about it, just, you know, don't answer. But he tried that earlier, and it didn't work. So and they're hanging they, up on they, the radio host now when they bring they, up the they had, to, they had to hang up on him. They're <laughs> trying not to get him to say anything, to add any fuel to the fire, or motivate any bulletin board material. But they just cannot help themselves. They cannot move on. I love it. It's going to be the Seth Joyner uh, revenge tour or wrecking, wrecking tour this year. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. I'm looking forward to Jalen, you know, finding his rhythm, the defense, you know, getting better and better. And, uh, you know, the young guys in that secondary, you know, get some experience now early in the season, um, you know, just in case, you know, we need them down the stretch. You know, 
I, I, I mentioned it before, but we got all these young corners, man. We haven't been in this position before. And to get them some experience early in the year, to get them to learn how to communicate, it was crazy because I was watching the game, um, watching the Thursday night game. And there was a point in time where Darius Slade was the only veteran on the field with all of these young guys. <laughs> and, you know, they would mess something up and they would all come over to him and you could see him trying to explain it. But that's the importance of being able to communicate in in meetings, in practice, in walkthroughs, you know, because if you're not talking pre-snap, if you're not alerting each other pre-snap, um, the game happens way, 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 way too fast, you know. And, you know, if you got to turn and ask a guy, it's more than likely it's too late. So I like what they've got. They've just got to, you know, Sean Desai's got extra, extra days to kind of bring them along. But I hope that they learn the art of communication, the art of, you know, alerting what might happen. If that guy goes in motion, what are we doing? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it pre-snap. So when the guy starts moving, we're not trying to communicate. It's already an unspoken or already pre-spoken um, adjustment. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing how these guys grow. I mean, even the linebackers. I thought that I thought that Morrow and Cunningham played pretty darn good games last week. You know, we're going to have to rely on them. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see how they continue to to progress and how they continue to progress against better teams. It's going to be another what four three, four weeks before N'Kobe Dean is back. And even when he's back, he might not be 100%. Yeah, you're exactly right. I love how much you care about your birds, man. Thank you so much for the time. You got it, man. Anytime. And I hope to see you on that field in the Kelly Green again or see you in that foursome or definitely before Eagles-Cowboys. We'll make it happen. There you go. You got it. Thanks a lot, man. Hey. The greatest. Oh, mom, so flagrant.